Welcome to the Mindfuckery podcast, which is featured in Feedspot's top 10 of emotional abuse podcasts. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and in here, we explore areas others fear to tread. I'm the founder of The Divorce Sanctuary and creator of Wound Talking and The Original Wound. I'm also author of Finding Lily, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse and Divorce Matters. I've been a woundologist for over 20 years, working with past life wounds, clearing ancestral trauma, and working with this life wounding. And it's through my own personal journey I know how much this hurts and how confusing life becomes. So many questions, no real answers. And I'm on a mission to help and educate as many people as I can on the effects of trauma on our lives and our children's lives, and helping them heal the wounds of our mothers and our fathers. It stops here, it stops now, and it stops with us. So welcome along for the journey of a lifetime. Hey, welcome along. You are so very, very welcome. This week, I want to combine a few things. I want to look at emotional abuse and what it does to the body, how it affects you. I did a podcast a few weeks ago, which apparently is quite popular, and that's emotional abuse abuse versus physical abuse. So I'm going to sort of pull everything together at the moment or the, over the last um, few days. I've been watching something called Liar on ITVX. And it's a story where a young woman has separated from her partner. She was encouraged by a sister to get out and start dating again. And she bumps into a parent. She's a teacher. She bumps into a parent at school. He actually works with her sister, asks her out on a date. And then circumstances happen that he ends up walking her home. His phone runs out of charge. They have a drink while he waits for the taxi because he can't call a taxi. And um, she finds herself in a situation where she wakes up and realises that she's actually been raped. She was trying to stop the uh, sexual act happening. And what I want to sort of talk about is the emotions around that and these wounds that drive us. And this can be wounds from any situation, not just from this situation. I will put some links in the description box below because I have recorded videos on sexual coercion and they are really popular and the manipulation that goes on there. Perhaps you find yourself in situations that you're doing something through this coercive control. Um, so I'll put those in the link. But this woman over, I haven't quite finished it and I don't want to do a spoiler alert. And in fact, I don't think I can because I haven't finished watching it. But I'm fairly sure it's quite obvious that from somebody's lying in this scenario, somebody's lying. Was she sexually abused, wasn't she? He's very good at saying that, you know, he playing the victim. But she's got into this position that the police are involved and they're investigating and um, they aren't getting very far with their investigation. So she decides to take to social media. Now, let's step back because I've done this. Maybe you've done the same thing. This is why I work with wounds and this is why I work in this area because I made lots of big mistakes and things that I regret. I'm shouting, oh my God, holding my head saying, please, oh, don't do it, don't do it. Because there is a need to show the world who this person is. And she has every right to do that, but in a certain way, because it can be manipulated. And and I've spoken about this quite a few times, not just on podcasts on, on YouTube, or should I say not just on YouTube, on podcasts. I can't remember which way I'm probably more on YouTube, where 
because of the craziness, because of the emotional conflict that's happened, you might do or say things and you're playing into that person's hands. So as I said, I've recorded a podcast a few weeks ago on emotional abuse versus physical abuse. Everything that I do is around wounds. It's just my passion. Our wounds drive us. So for example, the reason I wrote my book, Divorce Matters, it was because I knew some of my wounds were driving my divorce. They were in control of my divorce. I've spoken about this uh, before, possibly on the podcast uh, in the earlier episodes where I knew, and this is what drives me to help other people not make the same mistakes, help them heal the wounds. And I, there was a need. When I realised what had happened and how I'd been duped and how I'd been conned and how I'd been manipulated, there's this driving force, there's this wound that was driving me. How dare you do that? How how have you got away with this? And I'm living this life. I've got no money. My whole life has imploded. I've lost absolutely everything. And on every level, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, everything. All my friends, I'd manoeuvred out. I'd isolated myself. I talk about being isolated within coercive control, but that also happens. You also do that yourself. And I like to be honest about what I've experienced and encourage other people to be honest because I don't like masking over what happened. You know, I did some really stupid things and I said some things and I behaved in in ways driven by uh, wounds, usually childhood. You don't have to tell people anything. And the only person that you need to be really honest with, or perhaps you can be really honest with, you can go through therapy and talk and uh, and and go through years of ther- therapy. And this is why I do the work I do because. I don't believe we need to do that. I don't believe we need to sit there for years and decades talking about the same thing. There is a way of healing these wounds, getting right to the core, getting to the root and not leaving anything behind and removing these wounds that we can live a more fulfilled life. And while doing that, claiming back all the missing parts so we feel whole, that's a whole process of the original wound work that I do. Honest conversations, I talk about, you know, you can go to therapy, you can go and see someone, the talking therapies are helpful. But are you being completely honest? Is there something that you're holding back? Is there something that you're not because maybe you fear you fear being judged? Perhaps you feel shame around some of the things that you've done. I'll put my hands up. And if I put my hands up, does that make you feel less shame, uh, less shame? I hope it does because we all do things that we regret later. There just might be one or two things that you regret. Might be one or two things that you need to do to understand. You might need to go back a few times into that relationship. And, you know, on average, people go back seven to eight times. You might need to go back in that rela- into that relationship. Like they've reappeared. They're hoovering. They're being really nice again, being really charming. They're spending money on you, perhaps. They're 
giving you the attention that you received before and you're thinking, did I get this wrong? Is it me that there's a problem with? If I give them another chance and then I'll really know. And you can do that a few times as clarification. There's no shame in that. You've been tricked. And this is the thing that we need to remember, the manipulation that goes on. So step back again. You were convinced that this is your fault. There's something wrong with you. You experience gaslighting where something happens and they turn it around. Anyone who does something and cannot take responsibility, I would suggest there's a red flag. Anyone that says, oh, it's because of my childhood. It was, I remember saying, look, we've all had crap childhoods. Not everybody plays out. Not everybody blames their childhood. It might be later that you realise that you experienced manipulation. You might it, you might realise it wasn't as healthy. You might realise that you weren't nurtured. You might realise that you weren't seen and heard in the way that you should have been seen and heard. Your needs might have been neglected. Your parents might not have been present, whether that was emotionally present or whether that was physically present in your life. They might have been caught up with work and you didn't have a nurturing person within your life. Maybe you did. Maybe you were lucky enough for your parents' works and they worked really hard, but you actually had another caregiver that came in, whether that was a family member or, or another person that was in your life that was able to see you and hear you in the way that we need to be as children seen and heard. What I've noticed is the red flag is when something happens and that person doesn't take responsibility. That's huge. They might be claiming that they're the victim and we know that, but we get caught up believing those stories. The real victim is the person that believes it's their fault. In emotionally abusive relationships, the real victim is the one that's it's like, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't done that, it's because I wasn't there. It was because I wasn't present. I wasn't giving them enough attention. That is the real victim, the one that's taking the blame. And the difference, which is worse, emotional abuse or physical abuse. I've experienced both. And I was really young when it happened to me. And I remember saying, I'm never ever going to experience that again. I'm never going to go through that again. I'm never going to put myself in that position. And I never did. The moment I saw somebody raise their hand to me, that was it. I was off. It was a non-negotiable for me. But what I didn't understand was the emotional abuse because it's so devious. You don't know that it's abuse. And to me, that's more dangerous because you're being sucked in, hacked down. Your personality and the person you are is being eroded and moulded into something else. And this is why people are asking, can emotional abuse cause loss of identity? It can. If somebody is telling you all of the time that what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're dressing, how you're talking, how you're behaving, the way you do something is wrong. They don't like it. And you change your behaviour for somebody else. Where do you go? You lose your identity because you're changing your behaviour to fit in with somebody else. I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Daniel Amen. I heard about him and I was doing it. I was used to teach his, not teach his, but I used his ant analogy in one of the courses that I used to run. God, about 10 years ago now. And I was listening to him. Uh, he was on a podcast. He was talking about various different things, about brain behavior and I went and got one of his books and he was talking and that it's actually a really sweet book sweet I don't know whether that's the right word how he would describe it but it's like a daily practice and it's called change your brain every day 
way. And in that, he was saying, or it's actually narrated by somebody else, but in the book, it, it says that the hippocampus creates 700 new stem cells every single day. And it's all about us nurturing the environment that we live in. The hippocampus shrinks when we are experiencing any form of abuse. Our mind has this, or our body has this amazing ability of self-preservation, of survival. So it's about creating. It might be that your short-term memory, you, you can't hold on to thoughts. You can't remember things. And that might be because of the abuse that you're experiencing or have experienced. So creating an environment that isn't toxic, that can support these new stem cells that are being created every day. Abuse puts you in fight, flight, form, freeze. Your nervous system is on high alert. Some of the things that I teach people are find a space. Even if you're in a relationship or you're having to live together while you sort everything out, go use the toilet, use the bathroom. It is a place you are able to lock the door without have to justifying why you're locking the door. And you can light a candle to hide smells. It's such a brilliant place, a safe environment. And by creating that, and when you get somewhere of your own and you can create an environment that of safety, find a corner, find an area within that home. And over time, and it won't take very long, every time you go to that area, it could be that you create some form of altar. It could be a reading corner. I think children's teepees are brilliant. So you could get a teepee and put some beautiful throw cushions in there. And the shape of them is very healing in that temple pyramid structure. It could be your dressing table. I said it could be the bathroom and it could be the showers, another brilliant one that I used to use. And I would see and feel and visualize the shower head washing and breaking the energetic cords that were connecting me and um, and washing away the abuse on the inside and I used to visualize uh, colors coming through my body as energy and clearing energetically within my body. So there's all sorts of different ways of doing this, but by creating an area, as soon as you walk into that area, your body starts to know, your nervous system knows it can stand down. See them, see your nervous system as like little soldiers. They're protecting you. They're on guard, protecting and making sure that you're safe. And what you're saying to them is, go and take a break, go and take 10 minutes, go and take half an hour, go and take an hour. It might be that you use your bed it could be that when you lay in bed, you have a couple of candles around you as long as you remember to blow them out before you go to sleep, health and safety and all that. Meditation, it might be that you get, you can journal and use that as a space. But what we're doing is you're creating an environment for the nervous system to stand down. These are the effects emotional abuse has on you. Your mind has been tricked. It's been told that your reality is a lie. And then you experience cognitive dissonance where you've got these two parts of your brain clashing together, finding information out that you t were told was the truth and you're discovering it's a lie. And you're finding all these lies are actually the truth. And then it has to come together and it goes backwards and forwards. And to me, as I've used clackers so many times where these things come together and they bounce back and they come together clashing again. Eventually, by using various different techniques, you can calm the whole system down. This is affected on every single level. You're calming the whole system down. You're 
brain, your thoughts are able to then come together and merge and you're able to say, oh wow, that was a lie. Then you're able to merge them and see the reality of what happened. To me, the moment you can call out what happened to you as abusive is possibly when you know you're well on your way to recovering from this emotionally abusive relationship or multiple emotionally abusive relationships maybe. So yes, emotional abuse does cause loss of identity not knowing who you are because you had to hide who you were because you were told that it was bad to be you. You were convinced that the relationship that you found yourself in was good for you and you were convinced that the person that was carrying out the abuse was the best thing that had ever happened to you. It affects you on every single level, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. And there's a part of you that might be screaming, I need to tell everybody I've worked out who they are. And it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Everybody needs to know. But if a wound is driving that and it's not done in the way that you intend it to be helpful to other people, you're playing into the abuser's hands because they've been telling everybody how crazy you are, how they can't live with you. The smear campaign that has been sent out and that was probably being built and the the foundations being laid before the relationship was over. Because how do they get out of a relationship that they have been telling you and telling everybody else how amazing this person is, how amazing you are together as a couple? And all of a sudden they're going to turn around and say, why did you separate? You were such a, an amazing couple. So they have to lay the, the foundations to get out. And you shouting out and telling people what's going on and who they really are is playing into their hands. And if that's driven by the wounds, it might not come out in the way that you want it to. It might not be safe either. And I think that's always something that we have to really, really think about our safety. So I want you to think about what you can do and what you can create and how you can help yourself emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually and financially. Calming this nervous system down, breathing and grounding. And we're going to do this now. I want you to, with me, as long as you're not driving and you're in a safe place, if you can put your feet on the floor, if you can't, Visualize your feet on the floor and see roots growing out of your feet and they're going down into the earth like a like roots support that trunk and send them down these roots down deep into the earth. I promise you the safest place for you is in your body. Your mind is tricked and honest conversations. So mentally having these honest conversations with yourself. What is it? And is it a wound that's driving whatever it is that's going on? As I said, when I wrote Divorce Matters, it was because I was aware that the majority of my divorce had been negotiated by a wound. And I didn't want that for other people. Once I had unleashed all of that and discovered the ways of healing the wounds and not bypassing the emotions. I wanted to share that. So have these honest conversations and mentally tune in, staying in the body, breathing down into your heart area, into your chest, or even lower into your solar plexus. 
into the seat of emotion and clearing the energetic trauma that is held within the body. And you breathing and holding your breath start to reprogram and start to interrupt the nervous system. So taking a deep breath in, you can start this by counting. I use six, so you breathe in for six and you hold your breath for six. And then you breathe out for six and then you hold your breath for six. And the next stage on from this is to breathe in and say to your body as you're reprogramming your nervous system, I'm supported and I'm in the right place. I'm being nurtured. I love my body, whatever it is that you want. And then you hold your breath doing exactly the same thing. Now you can say it or you can hold on to your breath until it needs to gasp for a breath. And then you can say, I'm supported, I'm nurtured, I'm in the right place. I love myself, I love my life. Whatever it is that you want to add in. So you've got the nurturing, you're grounded in your body, you're sending roots down deep into the earth that are supporting you as if they would a large tree. And then you're connecting to your body and supporting your nervous system. And by doing both of these things, you're taking away the thought process. Allow your mind to quieten for a moment. It's chattering. And some of those conversations that are going on might not be true. The words that you're programming into your body and your nervous system might be complete lies. So I ask you to support your mind. Ask with some of those statements, is that true? Is that true? I'm really bad with money. Is that true? Nobody likes me. Is that true? Spiritually, you might have been crushed Every boundary that you had was definitely bulldozed down. Things that you held precious, those morals that you had have been crushed to the ground. Take little steps to start to look at your life and take back the bits that you want to take back, the bits that you believe are yours. Because remember, we take on the beliefs of our tribe up until the ages of seven or eight years old, everything that we hear and see we take on as a truth. It might be that some of it didn't sit with you anyway. This is the time to work out who you really are, to find out who you are and start to build, put these firm foundations in, the roots going down, creating firm foundations within your life and then building up. Personally, I do believe that emotional abuse is worse than physical abuse. I have experienced both and as I said, with the physical abuse, I had to create lies. I had to come up with excuses as to why I had bruises and my teeth got damaged. But on the whole, things were hidden. There were bruises that couldn't be seen. I'd cover up my body so that people couldn't see them. I was more aware. I want to say I had no idea about the emotional abuse. I saw the red flags within the relationship, made excuses as I did with the physically abusive relationship, but it wasn't until afterwards that I started to unpick everything and realise what was going on and the manipulation that happened. And I think that takes longer because it's as if you're reliving everything again. With the physical abuse, you know it's happening. I still jump from the physical abuse at certain situations, and it was a long time ago, but I personally do believe the emotional abuse it was 
worse. But that's my personal view. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea it had been happening. And then I had to unpick it and unpick it. And I felt it took a lot longer to recover from than the physically abusive relationship. But it might be that I hadn't recovered from that fully before I went into an emotionally abusive relationship. But I am so grateful for the opportunity and I see it as a gift to be able to pull everything back together and to pick up the pieces of my life and to collect all of the parts of me. Our body, as I said, it goes into survival mode and as part of that is my belief that part of our psyche, part of our soul breaks off as a way of preserving there's work that I've been doing for over, oh, I don't know, I'm going to say 20 years now, uh, where I've witnessed and helped people collect and even, and the same with myself, parts of me at young ages and at older ages where I've been in threatening situations and as part of a part, self-preservation, part of me has stepped out like a disassociation. And so I've been so grateful for this awakening to be able to collect everybody to collect everything as, as many as I can I've found at the moment I'm sure there might be others that I haven't got to yet and it's like peeling back the layers that onion peel back one layer and there's another layer underneath and it is my hope that you have the opportunity to do that reach out if that's something you want to do more than happy to support you doing it but it's my hope that you will see this as a gift and a reclamation a reclaiming of who you are and a reforming or even because I do believe when we're born we are born whole we know who we are and what we're here to do it's the tribe we've been brought into program us into their belief system rather than seeing this child as the child that has all the information and is going to teach us adults look down and think I must teach this child rather than the other way around our children have far more to share with us and we should be listening to them not the other way around I hope this week has been helpful to you and as always sending you loads and loads of love